0: Hello and welcome to the weekly four podcast.
1: The weekly four being recorded once a month at best.
0: um, We were at least at bi-weekly now. It's once a month. This is not good. We may have to change it to the monthly four.
1: Nope. I think we just need to be better about recording on a weekly basis.
0: Oh God, this is going to turn into the quarterly four if we don't really start looking at this better. So, and to all of our fans who reached out to us on today, the holiest day of the year saying one is another podcast, we bring this to you right following, uh, Yom Kippur. So you're this welcome is for our fans out there. Exactly. The few, the proud, the fans of the weekly four podcast.
1: We should say we are back due to popular demand
0: or to semi popular demand, um, Again, I think you need like at least five or six people to be popular. Is that the rule? I don't know. Uh, Definitely more than the people that asked us about the podcast. That's fair.
1: Well, I'm sure that our fans will be really happy that we're doing this.
0: So let's get started. So in sports, it is currently the most magical time of the sports year, my favorite month of the year, October, as we have playoff baseball. Today was the last day of baseball's regular season. And last night, while everybody who most, or not everybody, but most of the people we know, uh, were in a synagogue for Nidre. Aaron judge hit his 62nd home run of the year, um, in Arlington, Texas, just north of Dallas. Um, a fan there caught it has already been offered $2 million for that ball by an auction house. Um, hasn't decided what to do with it yet. And apparently his wife was on the bachelor or bachelorette uh, bachelor, I think. Um, this is just what I've seen in terms of headlines. And, um, he now has the American league record of 62. And for people who believe that bonds and Sosa and McGuire's stats are all tainted, it is kind of the clean, um, and not as many words, home run record because it is the only one, um, who kind of has broken 61 without likely being on steroids considering baseball tests now. So, um, it, kind of a very nice day, especially for the Yankees, because you had Babe Ruth, their right fielder, hit 60. Then you had Roger Maris, the right fielder, hit 61. And now Aaron Judge, the right fielder, hit 62. So um, that was the big baseball story to end the regular season. Um, love some of your comments on that, Mr. Levenstein. And then I can talk about the playoffs.
1: Um, how much money would you think this ball is worth in the short term?
0: Uh, probably two and a half to two and a half million. So he should probably take the $2 million offer from that auction house.
1: I was asked today by some people what I would want to give it up. And my initial number was like, well, it'd be at least a hundred thousand dollars. Not knowing that there was already a $2 million plus bid on the, uh, on the ball.
0: offer. Yeah.
1: Um, But I think like if I'm in this person's shoes, unless they are already independently wealthy, I would sell it as quickly as possible because...
0: Well, apparently this person is um, not poor because A, to afford a seat in the outfield for this was not cheap, as well as the fact that they said, I think the guy is a investment banker or some fine... I I didn't read the whole thing, but...
1: um, Okay, so that, but still, I mean, I don't know. A, A part of me is like, what... There, it, I think there is there are things that could come out that could lower the value of this ball, um, but I guess since today is the last regular season game, you said it was the last regular season game. Correct. There, aren't, there aren't going to be more.
0: No, more this baseball. is this is the this is sixty twos is his record for the season. So, got it. They gave okay. him off today. Actually, they let him rest. Um, uh, gave him the day off, even so though. I They they don't play until Tuesday of next week anyway. The Yankees. So, and then I guess my question is is
1: like what makes this ball so valuable? And I get it, like history. So there's just like the sort of sentimental, like who's going to be the one that can say I have the baseball that
0: it's it's memorabilia like anything else. Yeah, or and you can make an argument it's a piece of American history. Baseball is basically America's oldest continuous sport in the major leagues, and this is the potentially clean home run record. And it's the American League record for most home runs in the season. And the fact that he's on the Yankees. And, he, and he's a free agent at the end of the year, which means that he could go elsewhere. That could be the last home run he ever hits as a Yankee, too. Um, so um, there are a lot of different reasons why this ball is worth that much money.
1: And our assumption is, is like, to a certain degree, this was accomplished organically. Correct um and then my other big question was i mean i had a bunch of different questions but my other big question was um what like what are the taxes right like oh, so this person caught this baseball what do they yeah, pay
0: like, the taxes are if whatever he sells it for he's got to pay it's like selling anything gotta pay it income tax income. is
1: it capital gains it's
0: not capital gains it, it, it's interesting you could make if he holds on to it for a year yeah um i wonder if he would only have to pay capital gains it's a good question um, but even then
1: but, what would the capital gains be like on the value today or was no it's like on the what he sells it ticket?
0: for
1: no my point is is like oh if what can
0: he deduct yeah not a lot it, right like the, cost I was, of the ticket
1: yeah so maybe as mean, the as, as an
0: investment yeah
1: that's pretty yeah you, you but say you can the make the argument
0: is, that the ticket was to see the game not necessarily for the ball so you could say literally it was a zero dollar base
1: and then maybe you say it was a gift and it was worth two and a half million dollars today. And if you sell it for three million or three and a half million in a year from now, then the capital gains is really only on that million dollars no, on top of the no. gift.
0: Oh, talking, yeah. I don't think it's, I don't it's, know. It's, 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 it's likely income.
1: Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. No, listen, I mean, it's pretty cool. Um, you know, we had talked about it earlier in our podcast season that, you know, that, that uh, he was on this uh this run for this uh for this record, so very and he cool really
0: he... slowed down at the end, like he, literally he did it with the second last game of the season and and he really his numbers really slowed down. The pressure started getting to him you could make the argument to, but very happy he hit it if he had just tied it at sixty one not as great of a story, I mean still amazing, but the fact that he hit number sixty two and uh it's it's a good story for baseball, especially and who is since it that had sixty one Roger Maris got it. So um, if you have any more questions, happy to offer them, uh, answer them for you offline.
1: Nope. That's basically it.
0: Um, The, so the rest of the baseball playoffs are now getting started on Friday. You have the wildcard teams. Um, So what baseball is doing different this year um, is that um, the two teams with the best record um, in each uh in the American League and in the National League get buys until the division series. So you just have the the worst division winner and three wild card teams playing. So um in the American League you have the Tampa Bay Rays against Cleveland. The winner of that series will play the Yankees. Um, the Seattle Mariners against the Toronto Blue Jays. The winner of that series will play the Astros. Um, the Phillies against the Cardinals the winner of that series playing the I think the Braves um, yeah and then winner of Padres Mets I think plays the Dodgers Um yeah and the Dodgers won 111 games this year which is kind of incredible um, and, um, uh, and and the Astros won 106 this season which is kind of amazing for them so um, it's postseason baseball's back it's kind of the best baseball especially the wild card it's best 2 out of 3 and then the division series is best 3 out of 5 so um, we will see what happens um, and your Blue Jays Friday at 3 o'clock on ESPN Mr. Levenstein and hopefully I'm hoping that they will play the Astros here in Houston uh, a week from uh, not even a week Tuesday
1: That makes two of us so um, the Astros, the Yankees, the Dodgers, all those teams now they just get to rest and prepare for the next game.
0: All those teams get to rest and prepare for the next game. Yes.
1: And how much time is there between, let's say, the Blue Jays beating Seattle and – So come- it's
0: best two out of three. They play Friday, Saturday, Sunday if they don't if they win two in a row and don't need sunday then friday sat then they just play friday saturday and then they start tuesday against all the series start tuesday all the division series
1: it's interesting how like you know even though they're coming into this like head to head like it's a big difference for the teams that get to rest i would assume that they have this time to recharge and get ready whereas like the blue jays or the mariners if they win or any of these other teams in the wild cards they're going to come straight from like a stressful series into another stressful series well well,
0: that's one aspect of it the other thing is that in baseball you're so used to playing every day that this break could actually make these teams get rusty and um um, and and be interesting to have this much rest so the whole thing is going to be fascinating um with this expanded playoffs but um uh it's um it's definitely exciting and it starts on friday so our listeners um get excited for postseason baseball Love it. Moving to the NFL. The NFL season is now currently four games underway. There is one undefeated team left and one defeated team left. Mr. Lovenstein, any guess as to who the undefeated team and the defeated team is?
1: When you say defeated team, does that mean they haven't won a single They game? have
0: not won a single game. <sighs>
1: okay. Uh, undefeated team is the Texans?
0: Undefeated, you think we've won every game? Yes. No, the Eagles are 4-0. Philadelphia? Yeah. The defeated team is the Texans. They're 0-3-1. Oh, God.
1: (laughs) Wait. um, Texans are the
0: only team in the NFL without a win. They have a tie, but no wins. They tied the first um... game of the season and then have lost the last three. Um, What's amazing about the Texans is that they've only been outscored by 20 points and the Titans have been outscored by 26 points. Yet the Titans are two and two Texans are Oh three and one. So that's pretty impressive to only be outscored by 20 yet, not have a win. Um, 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 But yes, the Eagles are surprisingly four and oh. So Aaron Kornhauser, if you are listening, congratulations.
1: The Eagles congrats Aaron. Um, And congrats on your new crib. uh, If you're listening, um, The Eagles recently won a Super Bowl, didn't they? That was like
0: five years ago, four years ago. Oh my
1: God, so long ago. Who won last year?
0: Last year, the LA Rams won the Super Bowl. And how are they doing? Uh, The Rams are, I think, two and two to start the season. Let's see if Steven is right. They are. They are two and two. That whole division that they're in is everybody's two and two. So um, a little slow start, but they'll probably come around. They need to get healthy. Um, And again, most teams um, coming off a of Super Bowl. The last team to repeat a Super Bowl victory was the Patriots back in 04, 05. So that gives you some um, background about how hard it is to repeat a Super Bowl champion. So
1: we could have we could have retitled this segment called "It was the best of teams and it was the worst of teams." <laughs>
0: yeah, and the Texans are currently the worst. If they keep this up, maybe they'll get the first round pick. And if right. it's court, and if our quarter first pick in the draft, and maybe they get a new quarterback, maybe they draft some offensive line help. They draft some. They need help everywhere. So, um, the team I, located I, ten minutes from our house on Kirby is struggling right now,
1: <laughs> to say the least. We'll let people know where we live. The um, the but if I remember correctly, we said that the Texans are in some or are in a rebuilding phase like similar to what the Rockets were or are doing correct
0: but they're but they're rebuilding and like the Rockets have some good young players that you can hope in basketball you don't need as many I feel like with the um with the Texans like it's a long way away uh, it's tough Um, The other thing going on in sports, and then we'll kind of wrap up sports, is both the NBA and NHL. The other two of the big four sports have started their preseasons. The NHL um, starts, uh, the Rangers at least have their opener. I don't know which team. I have to look at the NHL schedule, but already start literally a week, uh, start on Tuesday, the 11th, um, with their regular season. And the NBA regular season starts, hold on because the Golden State Warriors will be getting their championship rings on Tuesday the 18th. So hockey starts probably like 10th or 11th. Uh, Basketball starts the 18th. Um, And October will be a very fun sports month. So get excited if you are a sports fan. Not only do you have Sukkot coming up if you're Jewish, but you have all four major sports going on at the same time.
1: So I am excited, but I'm also sort of bummed because the Raptors are playing the Rockets this Friday. Yeah, but it's a preseason. It's a preseason game, but still would have been fun to to go to that and maybe take a child or two. Um,
0: I actually have whatever. I have to give away those tickets. Yeah,
1: it's Friday night. Doesn't really help. Yeah.
0: So if there's somebody listening to the podcast. Oh, that that's it.
1: like a fun raffle.
0: Yeah. Once uh, we get some tickets to the Rockets, They don't even have to get somebody subscribed. Just, uh,
1: no, no. Get someone to subscribe. And once we validate that they've subscribed to our podcast, then uh, they can have they'll... the
0: preseason tickets. We'll enter them to the raffle for the preseason tickets. Sure. Yeah.
1: There you go. I'd, be happy, to...
0: I'd be happy to do that, considering <laughs> nobody wants them.
1: Um, (laughs) And on the hockey front, I'll just say, uh, I believe as is per the tradition, the Toronto Maple Leafs will be playing that other team from Canada that speaks French. We don't have to name them because they're not worth naming, um, on Wednesday, October 12th, um, in the wannabe French kingdom of Quebec. So, um... Usually, I I think historically, actually, for the last few years, if my memory serves me, the Leafs were able to defeat this unnamed team of meaningless meaning. Um, But uh, it's always an interesting game. Not that it means anything, because the Leafs end up choking for the season anyways, but...
0: Yep, they open up in Montreal on Wednesday the 12th. (sighs) Um, um, By the way, I was just checking the Raptors play the Rockets in the regular season, also on a Friday night, so Congratulations. Looks like you will not be seeing Toronto uh, Raptors against the Rockets this season. That is a bummer. Yeah. Anyway, moving on to something um, more interesting, history-wise, and quite um, depending on how you look at it, either more depressing or less depressing, because Israel ultimately won. It is the 49th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War, um, which actually started, even though today is we are recording this on October 5th, started October 6th in in Hebrew um, Yom Kippur in Hebrew in the Jewish calendar um, it is the 49th anniversary today of the Yom Kippur War Um, what is the name of that HBO miniseries on it right I think it's HBO Mm,
1: Valley of Tears
0: Valley of Tears highly recommend I think I made through two episodes but it was very well done it's just something you have to be in the proper mood for it's heavy yes it is definitely heavy um is there something wrong with the Earth's gravitational pull? Um, if somebody gets that reference, please shoot me a text. Um, um, but yes, it is um, um, 49th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War in Israel.
1: Another uh, good flick to watch is on Netflix. They have a movie called <laughs> The Angel, I believe it's called. hmm Um, The angel was a spy that the Israelis had in the Egyptian government. Um, He was the son-in-law of um, Nasser.
0: Wow, he married Nasser's daughter? Yeah. And he was an Israeli?
1: No, he was an Israeli spy. He spied for the Israelis. Ah,
0: I got it, I got it. But he was Egyptian.
1: He was Egyptian, Got it. Um, after Sadat took over, I mean, they weren't especially nice to Esser's family. Um, and the movie is just really interesting because it tells you a lot of like the story behind him. But he, what's interesting about the angel, spoiler alert, was uh, that he... Uh,
0: don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it.
1: No, no, no. no. This, is, this is something that Israel knew. He was one of the warnings that Israel received leading up to the Kippur War, that there was an actual war coming. So that's not a real spoiler. Got it. But um, they,
0: what, they ignored it?
1: They disregarded it because, so that was actually very smart. He, he basically, leading up to the war, did a series of military exercises, like massive military exercises in the Sinai on the Suez Canal. And a couple of times Israel mobilized their army. And then no war happened. And so when this happened, this was the third or fourth time that there was this massive military exercise happening. And even though the angel said, this time is different, the Israelis were like, every time we mobilize the army, there's a huge economic impact. There's a lot of optics. It makes us look really jittery. And so on this time, when it was an actual war was coming, they said, nope, we're not mobilizing. Got it. Um, But yeah, so... It was a pretty devastating war when you look at sort of the statistics, right? Like, you know, the population of Israel was around 3 million at the time. And so they lost, you know, almost 2,600 soldiers. I mean, percentage-wise, that's a pretty big hit to the population. Oh, um, You know, I think it was almost 8,000 were injured. Um, it was from, a, even though, like you said, Israel won. And it was a actually stunning victory, a bit of luck. But uh, mainly on the northern front. Um, yeah. But they were—they did win, and not only did they win, but they ended up turning it around to coming within miles of Cairo and Damascus with their artillery. Um, it was definitely a traumatic, traumatic event for the state of Israel. Something that I mean, I growing up, you know, I had friends whose relatives and. Family members were killed in the Mekpura War, or were fought in the Mekpura War, or injured in the Mekpura War, and it wasn't just the physical and emotional scars there that remained, but it was still that sort of national um, scar of what happens when Israel got over overconfident in itself.
0: Um, yes, thank you for that. Um, we have a lot more topics. Otherwise, I would kind of. Respond, but we unfortunately have to move on. If you want to get to everything again, it's been a month, so we've got a big podcast coming up for all of you. Um, 75th anniversary of the first televised Oval Office address by President Truman. So my favorite president is Harry Truman. Um, he recognized the state of Israel, so good connection there with kind of Yom Kippur War to Israel, um, as well as dropped bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, effectively ending World War II. Um, we'll actually get into that um, a little bit more later, um, something else that's interesting with those two bombs. But, um, so what, to me, what's look out is it's 75 years since the first, a 75 years ago, very few people had television. So outside of probably just, uh, the Northeast, nobody actually saw this back in 47 television really wasn't a national thing till like the early to mid fifties, um, So, um, that first address that he televised, not seen by that many people, um, be interesting to see if you could find it online. Um, um, I'm going to actually Google it right now as we talk or as soon as you respond. Um, and, um, just, it's kind of amazing where technology is now. Televisions are almost kind of going the way of the past because everybody has laptops where they just watch television on or movies or whatever, um, the screen has kind of become ubiquitous in our world, but not necessarily needing kind of a regular TV. Um, so I just thought that that was interesting about where technology has gone.
1: So my counter, I agree with everything you said. Um, the only thing, and I mean, I just, while you were saying that, I went on YouTube and I searched for Truman 1937 televised speech and there is 47. something. 47. Yeah, yeah, March 12th, 1947. No, that doesn't make sense.
0: October 5th.
1: Yeah, I know. Uh, you things. can start looking for that while I'm talking. But um the So the T V became like it was like such a pillar of you of the US culture in the fifties already. So it actually grew and expanded pretty quickly considering what mm-hmm. the time. Uh, but it definitely was something that Took hold of the country and into the 60s and 70s was so so central to everything um, America and actually into the 80s 90s and even the early 2000s. I don't agree that television sets, even though now they're more like panels, um, are going away. But broadcast. Oh, television, I don't think.
0: Right, I meant broadcast television. Yes, if you come into my house, you will see the insane amount of televisions I have set up. Um, i think i might win the neighborhood amount of tvs if anybody else has a number of tvs that they think they have a lot of (laughs) want to text me how many they have in their house happy to compare and just i won't say my number but i'll say if you have beaten me or not so um because i love tv um but um, um, are all
1: of those tvs hooked up to cable oh yeah Okay, so you're, an, you're really, well, A, you're an old soul, and B, you're an exception, because all of your TVs are actually hooked up to Oh, cable. I'm not an
0: exception. I'm exceptional. Thank you. Um,
1: yeah, um, I agree with that, but probably not in the context that you're referring to. Oh, man. That's <laughs> not
0: good. <laughs> oh, they do have it. Uh, I think he speaks about food, voluntary food program. Um, so, yes, they have it on YouTube. I just find, found it under the vintage news.
1: There you go. So it wasn't anything exceptional in terms of what he spoke about. It was no, just it was the, the fact it, it, was, it was, was televised. was the first
0: one televised. Only forty-four thousand households had a television at the time.
1: It's actually a higher number than I thought, but that's, that's
0: still pretty low. Well. Yeah, and majority on the East Coast. Interesting. <laughs> just, just, comp, just by comparison, there were forty million um, radio units around the country. So literally, it's, it's a. Uh, it's literally it was a thousand X multiple of radio to it's, television.
1: It's one of those things that I love about Mad Men. Uh, because Mad Men, which is about the advertising industry, takes place in the fifties and there's sixties. No, it starts in the fifties.
0: Oh, it starts in the late fifties. I mean it's and really it's, sixty yeah,
1: So so but right. and when they start like talking about TV advertising, like it's very interesting to see like, you know, the you know whatever is it a perfectly accurate representation of how people perceived at the time but like there's skepticism of advertising on tv and what the ads on tv look like and initially the ads on tv were just basically taking the model of radio ads just adding like a little bit of animation to it and then how it evolved and it's, it's interesting to see but
0: well as mr a... levenstein you are unfortunately incorrect it's fictional time frame it runs from march 1960 to november 1970 madman
1: 1960? Yeah. And it it's supposed in to be...
0: Yeah, it's supposed to be about the 60s. Interesting.
1: All right, fine. Felt like the 50s, but I guess it was the early 60s felt like yes, the
0: 50s. Yes, exactly. And whenever people think of what a decade is like, it's kind of that last decade keeps a, a piece of it for a while. So exactly, if you think about the 50s, the fashion, I mean the 60s, the fashion of the 50s probably still lasted to like 61, 62 yeah. Um, uh, you think about hippies, there were no hippies in the early 60s, didn't exist. Right. Um, so, kind well, of.
1: it's in New York, they had like the sort of the deadbeat or beatnik culture, I guess. Yeah. Sort but of, that
0: was left over from the late 50s with Allen Ginsberg and all that stuff.
1: stuff. What's also cool is, I mean, just now that you've said that, I always, in my head, it was like 19, it was the late 50s to like the mid 70s. I don't know, it was exactly 1960 to 1970, which is actually pretty cool that they capped it on either had either decade
0: correct um today is also the 60th anniversary of two very famous um um cultural american cultural touchstones um the first james bond movie was released and yes in the u.s well james bond movies were were american film production really pretty sure that i mean I don't think it was... I mean, they may have been even shot in British, but, I mean, it's really... The the movies are considered American films. Cool. Um, I think it was Dr. No. Um, we'll look that up as... Yep,
1: 1962.
0: Um, and then... Um, and it was and then, Sean
1: Connery. Oh, yep. baby.
0: And then it's the 60th anniversary of the first Beatles song being released in the UK. They are a British band, not American um love me do was released today 60 years ago so um pretty cool that bond films which are still being produced and made um still it's now it's 60 years since the first one and the beatles which still are in my mind the greatest band of all time and still listened to by countless generations and paul mccartney if you're lucky enough will still playing concerts somewhere for you um Again, not all the Beatles, unfortunately, um, but um, 60 years since their first single was released in the UK. So um, really, when you think about it, talk about setting the tone for the 1960s, as as we just talked about with Mad Men, um, kind of those both started back then.
1: Where would you rank Love Me Do in your list of Beatles songs?
0: It's not even a top 25. Right? No, not even a top 25. Yeah same uh it's catchy it sounds good but it's not i mean uh, very basic lyrics um, yeah but it's not a bad song i mean uh, like I, i'm not changing it if it comes on but oh no uh it's, and i i even think they would tell you it's not a top 25 songs i actually have a list compiled because of course i do of ranking all my favorite beatles songs in order and just so happens to have it in front of me
1: what's number one Number one. Hey Jude. Interesting.
0: Uh, I'll tell you where Love Me Do is on my list. Uh, 51. Man, that's a thorough list. Yeah. Uh, although, like, actually, sorry, I ranked the top 50. It's the first one outside of my top 50. So I, I have a lot that are kind of like tied it right after that. So I don't have it even as a top 50 song. Mm. Um, but what is your favorite Beatles song of all time? Uh, honestly, Hey Jude's my favorite But I don't know if I would literally consider it the best So I, there, those are also two different things I, it's, Hey Jude is definitely a top five song if, um, I, I think As close. obviously everything's subjective But almost objective By the amount of people that think it's a great song um, But I don't know if that I, I think that Great While My Guitar Gently Weeps Is um, uh, A Day in the Life Maybe might be one in terms of their best song
1: so, the one that, so I mean, three came to mind. It would be hard for me to choose which one, but Sgt. Peppers is one. Fixing a hole. Pepper,
0: yeah, but Sgt. Peppers is is really an album. The Sgt. Peppers actual song is more like an intro.
1: I know, but I love it. Um, okay. Fixing a hole.
0: See, I don't even have that in my top 50. I don't and think that's such a great song.
1: Norwegian Wood.
0: Also, not in my top 50.
1: Apparently, we have very different taste in music. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Although I actually, to be fair, I like fixing a hole. I don't have it in my top fifty, but I actually think it's a very good song. Uh, region Wood, uh, not 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 really a fan.
1: Yeah. Um, also, Kate, I don't
0: I don't think either one of us would be very good at fixing a hole where the rain got in. Not. No. Um, I think we would have to call somebody to help repair. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> uh, moving on.
1: We'd be Uh, really good at putting a bucket underneath the hole.
0: Yeah, that's not fixing it, though. Um, Robert Goddard, um, the father of modern rocketry, the first liquid rocket, and the person most credited with ushering in the space age, was born 140 years ago today. And the thing that really shocked me or surprised me um, was not only did he, he live to see his inventions really come to life, but he died a day after uh, the second atomic bomb was dropped, um, on Nagasaki. So I think it's kind of a crazy thing that literally like the most destructive force ever created as a result of, of, of bombing. He died the day after that, which is interesting um, to me, just a kind of crazy thing. And since he died, an atomic bomb has not been dropped since then. So maybe, uh, maybe he was the, uh, his death uh, said, maybe we should stop dropping atomic bombs.
1: When you say his invention coming to fruition, do you mean like the V2 rockets that Germany
0: used? Correct. Eh.
1: It's a bummer when you invent something and it ends up being used to terrorize and devastate millions of people.
0: Yeah. Um, listen, you have, what's his name? Um, why am I blanking? Um... Um, the atomic um, Oppenheimer, who said like he wished he never invented the atomic bomb. Um, um, he said that repeatedly. Um, so, yeah,
1: it's, that's a human narcissism. If he hadn't done it, someone else would have.
0: Maybe. Maybe. Probably. Um, anyway, so that was the only thing I thought was interesting is that he literally di- died a day after Nagasaki.
1: Um, Which your favorite president... uh,
0: Dropped. Correct.
1: Responsible for.
0: Okay. That's pretty good. We're making good on time. Now we're up to politics. Um, Let's talk about natural gas, politics, and Europe.
1: So right now in... Right now, I mean, for historical reference, when they find our podcast as a part of adding it to the Smithsonian... Uh, the war in Ukraine between Russia, the Federation of Ru- the Russian Federation, and the Democratic People's Republic of Ukraine, or whatever it's called, um, is raging. And the Russians are. I wouldn't know if I would describe it as losing, but there's a stalemate and they're losing territory. The Russians. Um, I mean, it's not like it's not a done deal yet. Um, but in the background of all this or a, a big background to this conflict in the beginning of September of this year, the Russians decided that they were going to stop complete. They completely stop shipping natural gas to Europe. Correct. And, you know, in a direct reaction to the Russian, uh, to the European countries, um, putting in embargoes and sanctions and all kinds of things on Russia um, as economic retaliation to the war in Ukraine, where Russia did invade Russia invaded Ukraine. And what was interesting is, is that I've heard many people talk about the devastating winter that's coming Europe and you know people are gonna to freeze to death and it's and
0: the natural been, gas prices that have gone insane through the roof.
1: Natural gas prices have gone up and they've become a lot more expensive. And for people that were already living on very tight margins, it just made it worse, and everyone sort of started freaking about out freaking out about winter um and what's going to be. Um there's starting to be demonstrations across Europe, um, you know, citizens demanding that the European governments repeal their sanctions so that the gas will resume flowing from russia and it's an interesting position to see where people suddenly where like they're worried about being able to heat their homes this winter and you know suddenly they they want to sort of soften you know the the government sanctions on russia
0: unfortunately people's self-interest normally overcomes their idealism um, it's something we can go into much longer on a podcast it is very hard for most individuals. Again, ideally, I'm sure most of these people who want these lifted support the Ukraine um, as they should. But when it comes for you in your house, you don't have heat and you don't know how you're going to stay warm this winter. Um, then all of a sudden you start protesting because Russia has a monopoly or close to a monopoly on natural gas. Um, so, um, not a but, lot of good solutions here but uh, no
1: yes that's so i was in that school of thought i'm like this is atrocious millions of europeans are going to freeze to death this winter and oh, no just,
0: millions aren't going to freeze to death
1: um, but a few th- so i just was, I was but i when you called me earlier um and i was out walking doug i was actually listening to a YouTube channel called Visual Politic, which seems to be quite smart, uh pretty smart people. And it turns out that the Europeans are not as incompetent as many of us assumed. So they've been doing a few things. So first of all, like his point was like Yes, Europeans, they knew this
0: is coming. That's why I knew millions of people aren't gonna freeze death this winter.
1: So apparently the Europeans have a lot of money also, which is true. Germany is one of the richest countries in the world and there's a lot of money in Europe. So what the Europeans have been doing is they've actually um, been filling up their national reserves at a record pace. So this is a video that I was watching was released a couple of weeks ago. And at the time, the national res- uh, strategic reserves, national reserves for the European Union or whatever, were at like 80%, 86% full. Which gives them enough natural gas at the current capacity or, or the current output or demand or whatever to last them until after christmas
0: the projected output
1: right but if there's like reduction in um like they say like you know we're gonna we're gonna ration it right and it can last even longer so that's one two was that they are there's all kinds of like pricing stuff i'm not going to go into that because it's not particularly interesting but there's a way to like change the pricing model so that the people that are most economically sensitive aren't really hurt so that's the other piece that the Europeans are going to address. They're changing their pricing model. Basically right now the easy description of it is that the electricity pricing model in most places, I didn't know this, I sort of knew this, but I didn't know that they described it well. It was like the market price is set by the highest price. So if the highest price of electricity is coming from imported natural gas and the cost of nuclear electricity is zero, nuclear electricity gets paid the same rate as the natural gas. And they're basically going to change that to be more of an average. So the nuclear power plants have been raking it in for the last few months because they've been paying these extremely high natural gas prices and therefore paying those extremely high gas prices to the nuclear plants are going to make less money. But that's okay. The third thing is, and I'm not going to get into this too much, but apparently there's this concept called floating natural gas... Um, uh, uh, gasification terminals, right? So basically, the whole thing is, is that all the gas was coming from pipelines because liquid natural gas, which is available in abundance from the United States at a really reasonable price, you need to have these terminals to gasify the liquid natural gas. You can go and Google all this if you don't understand what I'm saying, which is totally fine. But bottom line is is like the Europeans are putting a ton of money into building a bunch of these uh, floating gasification terminals that'll be able to just move around europe and basically you you bring the nat the liquid natural gas in on these where there's tons of ships there's hundreds of ships that can do this brings it up to the the gasification terminal the gasification terminals plugged into the pipelines boom 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 and then you start pumping natural gas back into the system without any russian intervention the cost isn't crazy um, and the Europeans are already in the process. Of so, what's interesting about all this? To bring it back to the war in Russia, So
0: here's my question to you: yeah. Before you get into that, if all of these things are currently ongoing, why protest against your um, against your idealism? Um, assuming these people do support Ukraine, um, when they have all these backup plans, so that's because they probably question. aren't
1: aware of it. This isn't. It's not. So why
0: isn't the government doing a better job of letting all these people know about what they're planning on doing?
1: Well, they should. That's why you know communications and letting people know about good things or bad things coming is so important. But you're right. Um, This the demonstrations. The biggest demonstrations right now are actually in Czechoslovakia. It seems. Um, It seems to be like there's been the hardest hit by all of this. but no, you're absolutely right. They need to do a better job. I think these, these things are also still somewhat in motion, so that may be a part of it also more recent. Um, but the demonstrations also are related to what you mentioned, which is the high price of natural gas and, and that coming through in electricity bills that you know, may remain at the same levels. So that may not go down. Um, it just may not go up as much as you would expect it to go up if there was like some you know massive crisis. Correct. Got it. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting about this is, to me, bring us back to Russia. Mm-hmm. Russia did this as a chip. If that chip goes away, what does Russia do? Meaning, this is one other bargaining chip that they're trying to do to you know get the Europeans to reduce sanctions maybe put more pressure on ukraine to to be more uh to 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 concede um but if that chip goes away russia loses that chip russia is losing money because they're no longer getting paid for all this natural gas that they were previously shipping to europe it puts putin in a weaker position and uh personally putin being in weak position makes me very nervous
0: um, he, there are other things I'm sure Russia can put pressure on in different ways. Um, it's probably not just natural gas, but yes, I'm, I'm sure that, again, um, world politics, there's always somebody happy, somebody not happy, somebody who exerts more power and influence at a certain point, or who, if they lose a the chip, he's got other things. If there's one thing Putin probably has no shortage of, it's ideas of how to... Um, try to alleviate some of the pressure on this country. So. Um, Uh, That's true. um, But thank you for that great briefing. Um, Moving on, the US elections will be a little over a month from today on November 8th. Um, For those unaware, every representative in the United States is up for reelection as well as 33 or 34, um, because once every three years it's 34, but 33 US senators looks likely that the senate will stay democrat um not a not a necessarily a sure thing i'm pulling up 538 right now um 538 is a great website about election forecasts uh two-thirds chance that the democrats win the senate because again the vice president is the tie-breaking vote so even if it's 50 50 like it is right now um the democrat vice president um, is that tie-breaking vote. So the Republicans have to win 51 seats in order to get control of the Senate. Um, two-thirds of a chance the Democrats win, but in the House it's kind of flipped. Um, 70% chance the Republicans win the House and 31% chance the Democrats. So a lot of people are very happy with divided government. It's typically how the country works best because you don't have one party just pushing everything through. Um, if the House goes Republican like it's expected to, Nancy Pelosi will no longer be the speaker of the house and, uh, they'll become a new Republican speaker of the house. So, um, and that person would, that speaker of the house is the third in line to the presidency or second in line after the vice president. Cause obviously the president is, is the, um, is obviously the large highest seat of power in the United States. Um, and uh, would be interesting f- for this country if that were a flip. So um, please go out and vote. Um, the Also, Texas, the governor's race is also happening, um, so I highly encourage everybody to go out to vote on November 8th. Hopefully we'll have another podcast by then where we'll, I will reaffirm this, but a lot of fascinating things going on in our country and a very different um, outlook in November.
1: Is there the um is there like a, it's not guaranteed that just because the senate is 50-50 or 51-49 or whatever it is that the that that they're the members of congress or whatever like the the representatives senators no 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 what i'm saying is like the congressmen congress people that it'll be also a 50-50 split? Or is it a guarantee? Like, if is it okay. like...
0: So let me just say, Congress a congressperson represents somebody either in the House or the Senate. So there are representatives, which are just House, or senators, which is just the Senate.
1: Um, so representatives. So, so representatives,
0: no. If the Senate goes Democrat, the House can definitely be Republican, too. It's more than likely that's what's going to happen.
1: But I'm saying is the ratio... Is there oh, a of a fifty-fifty ratio between yeah, between the representatives and the not
0: really. It's because it's just done by districts, so each district has a different um, set of geographical um, factors um, that is taken into account in setting up districts. Um, it's likely that if the Republicans win the House, they will. It won't be. They'll probably have a five to a seven seat advantage. It won't be as close to 50-50
1: and why are senators also called congressmen also called like because congress
0: can... congress is both the house and the senate congress so, is like so because a... getting a bill through congress means it gets through the house and the senate so One a congressman second. could be a house or uh, representative now typically okay. if somebody says this is their congressman they're not really talking about their senator most likely most right. of the time they're talking about their representative but technically both senators and representatives are congresspeople.
1: So senators and representatives are members of Congress. Correct. But But normally represent- when
0: somebody says Congressman colloquially, right. they mean they're, they're representative.
1: And what is the and the House is where the representatives sit? Correct. And where do the senators sit? In the Senate. In the Senate. And then what's the Capitol building?
0: The Capitol building has both on one side's the Senate and one side's the house.
1: Love checks and balances.
0: Yes. This has been a introduction to American politics with Steven Mitzner and Yosef Levenstein.
1: Uh, this is like the uh, preparatory work for my citizenship exam.
0: If you ever take it, if I ever take it. Um, okay. So that's moving on to next. Um, um, and then kind of this has to do with politics and what we were talking about actually with um, nuclear power. The other thing was nuclear weapons. 36 years ago today, there was a story in the Sunday Times in the UK um, by a the originally, the first leaker um, he had before Julian Assange, there was this guy, um, about Vanunu. Detailing, Vanunu detailing Israel's secret nuclear weapons. Um, yeah. Before October of 86, it was... It was kind of hush-hush. Most people thought Israel had, but this person finally confirmed in October of 86 that Israel had nuclear weapons.
1: Never underestimate the power of a scorned employee and an attractive
0: interviewer. Um, I mean, he ended up, I think, getting recaptured by the Mossad, being thrown in oh, jail. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the guy's still alive, by the way. Oh,
1: yeah. Um, I remember when he was released. It was big news when he was released out of jail.
0: It's we should have had him on our podcast.
1: That would have been glorious.
0: Um, it may be time to start adding more, I guess once we start doing this on a more, <laughs> um, weekly basis.
1: Exactly. Um, that's, that's the spirit.
0: Um, but yeah, uh Mordechai Venunu, um, only he's not even 70 yet. Um, so, uh, was pretty young at the time when he did this. He was about 34. So I guess his idealism was. Um,
1: um, he was treated like garbage. And so he latched out.
0: Yeah. Um, but I feel like if he had been in his fifties or sixties at the time, he may not have done it.
1: Maybe, maybe if he wasn't treated like garbage, he wouldn't have done it.
0: It's funny. It's very interesting. in oh four. Cause they asked "Would this guy, maybe get the death penalty as a result of this. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and then apparently um, he was con- convicted not till March of 88. Um, um, but, but regardless, it was interesting so um, about the death penalty within um, and only two executions have ever taken place in Israel. In 4, the Mossad director told orders that the option of extrajudicial execution was considered in 86 but rejected because Jews don't do that to other Jews. Because treason right. is a capital offense in Israeli law, the is. Nunu could have faced the death penalty. Yep. But prosecutor Uzi Hassan announced the world announced that he would not seek the death penalty. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not a. Um, again, other than who, who is the other person? It was at, way at the beginning of like the country's founding, like forty eight or forty nine. Iachmin's the very famous one. Uh, the question: If anybody's listening to the podcast, who is the only other person? who have gotten the death penalty. We may have even talked about this on the podcast, by the way. Um, that um, is the question. I, I'm and it wasn't a right Nazi? Um, oh, sorry. Um, no, it was this guy. Their sentence was handed down, but he didn't get executed. That's what it was. So John Demanjuk was sentenced to death for war crimes against humanity, was a Nazi, but was overturned in '93 following an appeal to the Israeli Supreme Court. So there was a second Nazi who was um, um, brought up on those charges, but they did not execute him.
1: There was someone, Mayor oh,
0: Who's that? Uh,
1: an Israeli army officer who was falsely accused of espionage. Oh, you're right.
0: That was the first execution. You're right. I should have kept reading. So yes, in 48, I was right. Yeah. Israeli, falsely accused of... Wow, and he was later exonerated. That's awful.
1: Posthumously.
0: Yeah, posthumously. I said, that's awful.
1: Yeah. Um, so then they put the whole death penalty thing on pause.
0: Yeah, he was executed June of 48. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, moving on. So that was kind of our politics well, That's section. so interesting.
1: By the way, one last thing just quickly. Sure. In the 1950 Nazis and Nazi collaborators punishment law prescribes a mandatory death sentence for the most serious crimes in the law. Yeah. So that was that was uh,
0: Eichmann, how they got a finger right. for Eichmann. Yeah.
1: And then this guy, Inster, who was convicted for, of crimes against humanity for torturing and beating other Jews as a capo. And he was recommended to get the death penalty.
0: But they didn't execute him. But yes. they
1: didn't do that. Then. He died shortly after he was released just because he got really sick and nebby
0: speaking of dead things you stepped on a and going into random you stepped on a dead squirrel today how was that experience <laughs> shocking
1: so uh, i don't understand how
0: you don't watch where you're walking
1: because it was when we were talking and uh, so we it's were, my fault now. i was looking at my phone i was looking at calendars and um and I was just sort of like I just wasn't paying attention to where, where I was walking. And it's not walking on my street, it's not exactly the most like there's not there's not usually many obstacles there, in the street.
0: There aren't dead squirrels everywhere where you walk? Um, there
1: are dead squirrels, but like this was crazy because when I stepped on it, I like it wasn't it was it had been must have been hit and maybe even run over a little bit. But it hadn't become like <laughs> integrated into the pavement
0: Uh, and um
1: uh, so i stepped on i was like what did i just step on burn your shoe that's what tanya said but i really like those shoes i don't think i'm gonna do that but um yeah pretty shocking to like just step on a squirrel it didn't squish or squirt or anything like that but pretty nasty yeah So, so rule is I guess, I don't know. I would say, I don't know if it's a seasonal thing. I would just say, I guess it's worth watching where you're walking because squirrels. That's a good may,
0: advice always to watch where you're walking.
1: I guess dead squirrels may be, uh, may be in your path.
0: Um, more on the random. Um, today would have been Larry Fine's 120th birthday. Um, the often overlooked stooge. Um, if if he had lived on May of Estrum he would have passed away today. So, um, it would have been great to have had him for 120. Unfortunately, he died back in the 70s. But happy 120th birthday to Larry Fine. Um, your neshama should have an Aaliyah. Um, and, I just want to make uh, sure that if
1: we're ever planning a podcast and you're looking, and you see any of the Marx Brothers birthdays are on the day of the podcast, <laughs> so you're going to add them into <laughs> the random section as well?
0: Nope, that's your job. <sighs> it's worse worst human. <laughs> um, it's also the 120th birthday of Ray Kroc. Um, who was um, the person who kind of helped um, profligate McDonald's around the country. Highly recommend the movie The Founder, um, if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, I It was that very movie. well done. Um, uh, a great acting by Michael Keaton in the Ray so Um And um, I wanted to wish him also. So him and Larry Fine, born on the same day, so... Um, happy 120th birthdays to them. Same day, same year. And That's Ray Kroc cool. uh, ended up owning the San Diego Padres, and after the first game of the season when they lost horribly to the Astros, literally made an announcement over the entire stadium, loudspeaker saying, I've never in my entire life seen such bad baseball being played, and then the crowd cheered him. Um, That's
1: amazing.
0: Yeah, it's a very cool story that I just read. So uh, um, that is Ray Kroc for you. Calls it like he sees it. Um... Um, a lot of interesting African-American birthdays today. It's kind of, I, I just happened to literally look. I'm like, wow, that's a famous person. Bernie Mac, uh, Oliver Shaw, would have been 65, a famous comedian. Neil deGrasse Tyson is 64 today. And Grant Hill, who, if not for a knee injury, would have probably been considered one of the top ten greatest... Definitely top twenty greatest basketball players of all time. He t- was t- so today. Good. Yeah, he was amazing for the Pistons. If you can oh, try to find so good. Piston, um, I mean, he would like average. He was like a somewhere between a mix between LeBron and Russell Westbrook with the triple doubles and athleticism. Um yeah. Just extremely great basketball player that unfortunately was never the exact same after his knee injury, um, but is still a member, I think he's in the NBA Hall, uh, the Basketball Hall of Fame, because I think Basketball Hall of Fame also looks at your college accomplishments as well, where he started Duke and won some national championships. Um, and um, so three great Americans, really like Neil deGrasse Tyson. Love um, it. Still. Don't always agree with him on everything, but I think no. um, he's not only very interesting, but, um, but, but says a lot of... Um, Things that people just don't think of a lot. And uh, he's a great, I think, astrophysicist, correct? Yeah. And the nice
1: thing about him is that when I think so, when he says things that I disagree with, he still says them in such a well thought out and intellectual way that you're like, I don't agree with you, but I respect and appreciate how you're presenting right. your thoughts and opinions. Or
0: you might be correct in this, even though I may disagree now, but doesn't mean you're definitely incorrect also. He speaks a lot on philosophy stuff and, uh, yeah. not just on kind of, known. Uh, yeah. And then, um, the year anniversaries of two deaths, um, Brian Pillman, who was a wrestler. And the reason why I bring it up is because he was kind of like, he died in 97. He was kind of the first wrestler to drive from kind of like drugs. He was the one who made the WWE kind of start a health and wellness program because after him, like all these wrestlers had horrible drug problems. These guys were on the road like 250 to 300 nights a year. Um, just insane. Um, and they just, again, they were performing. God, I mean, and even though it was scripted, um, they definitely had legitimate injuries and pain and a bunch of guys on the road for a while in the 1980s and 90s. It was just recipes for disaster. If you look at how many wrestlers have passed away at young ages, it will shock you. Um, in that industry, it's really insane. Um, and But he was literally kind of the first one who really kind of woke them up as to that we have a big problem here. Because, again, it's one thing if people are on drugs and not dying. Once they start dying, as a company, you have a big issue. Um, yep. Um, so that's kind of... What I wanted to bring up. And then you, because I saw this to you, Steve Jobs uh, died 11 years ago today. Um, I know he was one of your... Um, what would you describe him of how you view him? Icons? Hero? How
1: would you describe how you see Harry Truman? Um,
0: uh, what of my uh, personal role models...
1: Yeah, I think to some degree, like, I mean, I'm sure Harry Truman wasn't perfect either. Steve Jobs definitely was not perfect, but I look at him and I no think is, about... Though. Right, and so putting all of his imperfections, discretions, and all the other things aside, like, yeah, I look at him as someone that the way he looked at things, did things, thought of things, saw things, uh, yeah. I mean, his his biography is one of my favorite books, and one of the few books that I've read multiple times. And I remember when he died; it was a very sad day for me. But he was he was a a technological guttle
0: hador. And that's how we're going to end it because our podcast is hitting on the hour mark. Um, Mr. Levinson, it was a pleasure, and looking forward to doing this. Hopefully, within the next month. I hope we do it next week. Alright